Welcome to the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Solo show this week. And a scheduling note is we are going to have the UTH Award Show annual event. Katie Flower will be here, Jordan McNamara, and Tim Torch. And we will be discussing the 2022 season for fantasy in retrospect. Uh, Hand out some hardware in terms of the skill positions and our observations finishing out with some creative awards as always like I will always love you whether it's gone good gone uh, gone bad or otherwise uh, this season um, in addition to the typical awards about values breakout players veterans rookies etc at the skill position so look for that next week it's one of the few times all four of us get together on a full uh, fantasy show so look for that here following week 18 of the season and part of that is due to week 17 uh, the time of this recording on Tuesday is still in flux what will the NFL do obviously thoughts and prayers go out to uh, Tamar Hamlin and you know with the game stoppage just there's a stoppage in what will happen with fantasy and dynasty matchups so obviously we will see from a a technical standpoint what will happen with uh, with matchups and and with titles as you know week 17 is the time that we conclude in 99 percent of leagues conclude the season with uh, title games with third place matchups, toilet bowls, uh, points races, all those types of things. So that will be clarified, I'm confident, um, in the coming of days. But Tuesday is under the helmet night, and I'll be recording uh, a solo show just because um, I've got a lot of off season studies that are beginning this week. The next seven to 14 days is really where everything gets turned over. I've been doing that in stages on the site. Uh, If you have not checked that out, I highly encourage you to sign up. Off season is a great time to get in. Uh, You you get to see the process with uh, UTH and you get to see uh, a full draft season of startup draft uh, strategy as well as rookie draft trading, uh, all that. And then we get into the 2023 season and we start shooting for titles and championships like we do every season. So it's a great time to sign up if you have been listening for a while and are new. And also, uh, I'm going to highlight some content that uh, a little tease, a little preview. You'll you'll hear some of it on this show. And then uh, if you want other players uh, that are going to be analyzed in the same sort of way, then you, obviously those will be premium shows and you'll get to get that as a subscriber over ethdynasty.com. So I wanted to go over, I've got a big list uh, as I'm scrubbing profiles and scrubbing uh, career arc data for analysis that needs to be redone um, and evaluated going into the offseason. And I've got a big list of quarterbacks. So I'm going to go over a few of them in this show. And then others, they will be behind the paywall. Uh, so first, I want to start about on this show, Derek Carr. Very interesting case. Obviously, uh, the twists and turns late in this season with Jared Stidham uh, going in and Derek Carr looking like not to be in the plans uh, for the Raiders in the offseason going forward. Jared Stidham performing well, uh, obviously, and it was a stingy matchup against the 49ers as an added wrinkle to the storyline and storyboard there for the Raiders offense of the past few weeks. But Derek Carr, the, the career arc, is a very interesting case because he's been a player that outside of one season has not really shown ceiling. That one season came back in year three for him. He's now through nine seasons, and that was QB9 in adjusted points per game. Uh, I will mention that adjusted points per game is not straight points per game. It's not straight points either. Uh, It's a methodology I've been using for years, which is 
Obviously, the more games you play, the better. But obviously, uh, if you perform better on a per game basis, that's good too. So there's a blended approach of not crushing guys that don't play a full slate of games as total points would would do, but also a guy that plays three games compared to a guy that plays 13 games. Obviously, there's a pretty big difference there in terms of availability. So there needs to be a, a decent gap in points per game to have the three games played player ahead of the 13 in an example. So uh, not to get too, uh, too, too geeky into the numbers, but that's the general approach. So if you, you say, oh, well, he, that, that year I remember Carr was QB7 you know, or QB12. But again, it's, it's based on the games you played, the games uh, played in those that scored similarly around you as well. So Derek Carr, again, peaked in year three. Uh, that's a normal trajectory. He went QB 20, QB 13, QB 9 uh, over those three years. He was pushing potentially for an MVP or at least an MVP candidacy in that season that I recall. But he's leveled out. He's had six seasons since then. Uh, he's finished basically in the 13 to 18 range all those years but one. He's been the the absolute identifier and uh, poster boy for having uh, a high floor but a lower ceiling. And so it's really interesting to look at this career arc. And again, peaking in year three or just progressing from year one, two to three is a common pattern here, especially at quarterback. Year two for the elite prospects is usually when they take that big jump. And if they're going to get to the top six, get to the top 12 and keep pushing forward, that's generally when it occurs. I will say Derek Carr being a day two pick, it's not surprising that it was year three. Um, and for some of these guys, maybe even year four before they per, uh, you know, hit some sort of uh, more tangible ceiling for whatever that is uh, for their ultimate career arc. And that's a retrospect, retrospective thing. So anyway, he, had a, he was a career QB2 type uh, with, with a, a drove of top 24 seasons. Now, the interesting part, six total comps uh, are the closest ones I can come up to that A, had a similar, uh, similar DNA. QB2 type, maybe they grazed into QB1, and also saying that they played the NFL this long. That's another factor, just finding guys that played at least nine seasons, which Carr just completed his ninth season, is a, a, a test, a testament to, to him playing uh, for this duration, obviously getting to a second contract, basically having two full rookie contracts at this point in duration with nine seasons. But here's the interesting part. Of those six comps, only one has been uh, turned into a even a top 15 finisher from this point forward in their career. That was Alex Smith, and this was after changing teams. He went to the Chiefs, and he was actually the guy that bridged to Patrick Mahomes a few years ago. So Alex Smith went to the Chiefs with Andy Reid, and it was three years beyond this point in his career, year 12, and he had an outlier season, uh, not quite as outlier as Geno Smith, for example, when looking at career arcs, but Alex Smith having a career season in year 12 in the perfect storm of system and coach and situation, and then obviously he uh, you know, ended up transitioning away to uh, a new situation and transitioning to Patrick Mahomes as the, the storyline goes for the Chiefs. But interesting that the six total comps, only half of them, 50%, had another top 24 season. We know Derek Carr has been, has been producing them basically every single year but one in the NFL. His low actually in a season is QB 25. So it, it would be surprising 
to think that he only has a 50% chance of a top 24 season. However, I would say that there's becoming a book on Derek Carr that has some concerns, that have some reasons for why you know he hasn't been an elite quarterback or viewed that way for a while, even if he was back in year three, year four, going into year four, that he is not there now. And then the other part is that this season for a myriad of reasons, but but one reason of just Derek Carr with Devontae Adams. And yes, he had some players out from for, for scopes of the season. But I, I would say this, that he has had opportunities to produce better than he has, and it has not occurred. And so, again, comps to me are not the end-all be-all. They are one facet for how I put together dynasty player values at UTH, those go into tiering players in UTH dynasty rankings. And the trade calculator obviously does, does uh, the minute valuations of here's the number for the player. Uh, there's some nuance to that. And one of those things is comps. And if anything, even if you are, and the, the takeaway for this is, even if you like Derek Carr, I'm a Derek Carr fan watching the NFL, watching the Raiders over the years, and thinking that he's, again, separating NFL and fantasy, I think he has reasons for, for optimism and reasons to be underrated from the general sense that he has viewed. However, comps should say, here's some reasons for pause in this case, not here's some reasons for overt love and positivity. And so when you look at Derek Carr, not an overly mobile guy, and that's one of my biggest points, uh, of, of learning. I, I think I said with, uh, I think it was with Tim Torch, uh, this past, this past week, which, which, uh, is on the Patreon weekly Patreon for UTH. If you are so inclined that was discussing lessons learned. And one of those lessons was if you're not mobile or mobile enough at the quarterback position, you gotta have a really good sense of not being overly high on the player from a ceiling perspective. And I think Derek Carr is a really good example of that. Is he mobile? A little bit. Is he mobile enough? No. You know, so that's going to make sharp shooting, especially in today's NFL, especially looking at all the guys that are up at the top in the top five to 10 of the producers this year. It's really tough to get in there without being, uh, again, you don't have to be a runner. Like Justin Fields right now is just a runner. He's, he's, the passing part is a, uh, not a very big aspect. Rewind 12 months. Jalen Hurts is, was the same way. And so obviously you'd love to have rushing and, and passing. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, a few others have all of these things. Boy, it's in a, a great and easy world. But uh, Derek Carr is one of the have-nots. And it really does limit you to saying maybe you squeak into the top 10 to 12. Maybe. And he's been a few, a few clicks below that. And part of that is, can you, help, can you help us out with a little rushing? And you can't expect that going into year 10 now. I mean, maybe four, five, six years ago, you're like, yeah, maybe he improves a little bit. Maybe he has a magical rushing season and, and it really helps him by four, five, six spots in the fantasy rankings. That ship has sailed. That's not really where we are anymore. So we have to calibrate to that of what's the player profile. And then we can look at career arc analysis like this and say, we really need to question what, what that ceiling is. And for Derek Carr, again, I think the odds aren't overly high that he hits the top five. I think the odds aren't overly high that he hits the top 10 to 12. And because of that, I'm looking here and he was ranked 
uh, earlier in the season before we had these final data points, QB 13, QB 14, somewhere around there. And now I have him at QB 22, which I think A is fair, but B, there's two, three, four players ahead of him that you may not say that the floor with what we've seen over a meaningful sample size of two, three, four seasons now, if we only look at that block, that that they warrant being over Derek Carr. However, they have outs and they have legitimate ways and outcomes to be a much higher ceiling player than Derek Carr. And so Derek Carr, to me, you start putting him into a bucket with guys like maybe Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe Ryan Tannehill, maybe even Baker Mayfield, if we go all the way down there, as players that we say, what's the ceiling? Eh, you shoulder shrug. And, but then you say, what's the floor? And I think the, the floor, you can be more confident in Derek Carr. I have him over those players. But when you say ceiling, it could be pretty similar. And the other part I would say is, how difficult is it to acquire a QB2 type for fantasy purposes. This could be in season for lineups. This could be in the off season from a trajectory standpoint of, of going into the next year. And especially when you get beyond free agency, a trading period, the NFL draft, and you say, all right, here we sit. And what am I, wh- how can I project uh, to maybe help myself at the QB2, QB3 spots in Superflex and, and two quarterback? And Derek Carr could be one of the more expensive options. Of, of that ilk, but there certainly are, are others, a myriad of other players that could be far more affordable. And so this is not a run for the hills, sell Derek Carr for QB 25 value uh, when trading opens here in January at some point in most IST leagues. But what it is, is it's saying if you have him, have a realistic scope of what's likely to occur. I'm pretty confident Derek Carr is going to be able to find work in the NFL for another few seasons minimum if he so chooses. He has a profile that should be viewed as a bridge or super bridge for another NFL team, whether that's bridging to a rookie or if that's going to be their plan for the next couple of years. See how things go contractually. Car is in that car is in that bucket of likely outcomes in the future. All right, uh, I'm going to tease a few players here that are also going to be uh, players that are going to have premium podcasts like this. If you like this analysis, again, UTHDynasty.com, become a general manager subscriber to get rankings, uh, get trade calculator. I referenced where Derek Carr is uh, going to be uh, when I when I update uh, here with the quarterback scrubbing post, uh, post-2022 seasons. Other players uh, that are... Uh, have yet to be recorded that are going to be uh, in the next week or two as we go through here. Kyler Murray, very interesting career arc as uh, as he dropped down this year in a precipitous way. Then you have Jared Goff, uh, a little bit underrated. So that's going to be maybe a more optimistic show. You'll have to listen and find out uh, with the the full analysis there. But uh, again, Derek Carr, uh, definitely one of the interesting players there. All right, going to cover another quarterback in this episode for the weekly UTH show, and that's going to be Geno Smith. And this is also where it can be very difficult. Uh, it, it is a labor of love for anyone that has tried to put together rankings, tried to put together player values uh, for for rankings. I do tiers, um, and within tiers, I'm also looking at their uh, trade calculator value and other ways to put them into buckets within those tiers. But I think, and just to go off on one tangent for 30 seconds, is 
I, I really have a problem with many sites that just list players with one through 50. And I, here's what I know. I know one roadblock for, for bigger sites is that if you got 10 people ranking, you know, you start putting tier one, tier three, tier seven on, on players. And then let's say you were to average those tiers together and try to put them into tier buckets in a consensus ranking way and format, it can be very sticky and difficult. And also let's, let's be honest, time intensive, but I do believe that that's the best way. A one through 50 list at quarterback is not the best way and not the most descriptive way and informative way. And I always think, think to myself, what is the best way to give the most information in a concise way? And that's the whole goal of Dynasty and any fantasy football rankings, in my opinion, is how can you do it beyond a one through 50 list? And I've chosen and, and things are actually changing a uh, wide receiver. I reconstructed uh, a bunch of stuff that is listed on the UTH site. Uh, more on that as we go through uh, this month and with some of these features here on, on each position and a, where do we stand? Some of the most interesting profiles, but at quarterback, for example, we have tier. So beyond the one through 50, we have tiering. So tier one, tier two, and, and it varies. It's not just, oh, we'll be a four players in each tier. Then you have age and it's color coded because, you know, a, a difference of 24 to 27 years old is not a big deal at all. A difference from 34 years old to 38 year old is a much bigger deal. And it's color coded based on age erosion and career arc analysis from, uh, from the past 20, 25 years that I've done. So that's the, that's the second aspect. I, next, you have a one through five index for upside. So again, if you're shooting for upside, uh, you're shooting for, and then, then there's players that don't have as big of an upside based on career arc analysis and based on where they are, based on their profile. Uh, so upside, and then you have risk, which could be, hey, they're unproven. That's super risky. Hey, they lack pedigree if they're a first year or second year player. Hey, that's risky. Hey, they don't have a job. <laughs> that's risky as well. Uh, so uh, they could have off the field or suspension issues. Um, all those could be considered high risk. Or hey, they haven't developed at all as a passer. That's also really risky. Uh, so risk is also a column. And then one of my favorites is years. And what that means is looking at their contract situation, how much, how many years of security do they have with their current contract? For example, uh, uh, if you draft a first round quarterback, they have the fifth year option. So they're going to have a five right when they get into the NFL, they're gonna have a five there. Um, but th you might have a player that they're a unrestricted free agent coming into this off season. So they would have, now that we're in off season mode, they would have a zero because there's zero years of contract allegiance. Then also looking, and then you obviously have somewhere between there for, for most of the players. The other thing that you would have is uh, you might have years where they could uh, be a cap cut. You know, they're not playing overly well. There are outs in their contract. We've seen record setting, you know, in a new landscape, new environment of, of trading in the NFL, even involving quarterbacks or, or cutting players and, and taking on salary cap ramifications. We're in a new, a, a new world for that. However, looking at these contracts, there are, you know, outs where you say, oh, it's a four-year contract, but they have an out after year two. So I look at that and they might have a two, even though they're on a four-year contract, they might have a two listed under their contract uh, in years in that column. So that provides you some clarity of how much allegiance they have with their current team and when things could be changing. Next, uh, dynasty function. So this could be core level asset. 
This could be a potential core player, a risky core, uh, in terms of how you how much you would vice grip the player, how much they generally would be valued. Bridge would be a player that is viewed as productive enough uh, to find lineups. However, they're someone that you might view on a shorter trajectory than a core level player. Then you have stash players, you know, that would be, you know, you're not going to be super sticky with them, but uh, they are certainly worth stashing. And then you have churn and burn, which are players that, uh, again, based on the, the, the way the wind blows a particular week, particular month, uh, off season, what time period is it? You could cut them before the rookie draft, maybe to, to give room, and then maybe you're circling back in August and picking them up. Uh, they are definitely players that lack, uh, that lack any sort of, uh, of upside in terms of that roster spot and being super sticky for a longer duration. So those are the types. Oh, and then also versus ADP. So that is UTH values and UTH rankings versus where they sit by the market. Uh, and that produces a buy or sell uh, uh, identifier in that column. And then finally change. Uh, and this is something that I was resistant to and frankly just laziness um, over the years. And I, I've done it pretty firmly over the past six months or so where if I make an update, uh, I clear everything out and show the relevant changes from the past update. So if you're checking, you know, obviously in the off season, there's less updates than the, the weekly updates that are present in season. And, you know, there'll be moves, but, but frankly, uh, you know, between January and the NFL draft, there may be five, five or six notable updates. And that'll center around rookie draft time or putting the rookies in. That will also center around NFL free agency. If there's a notable trade or two, you'll see that uh, in the change, the change column uh, of where things are moving. But look at what I just outlined. And, and here's what I used to do. Honestly, I used to have tier age, and then I would have just a, you know, the classic comment on a player, little, little quick sentence. You know, coming off down year, uh, boy, you know, something like oh, added, you know, weapons are, are set to decline with, you know, Devontae Adams, a free agent or whatever I was going to write. And I honestly think all that is nice. But A, updating that, updating the write-up, making, making sure it's not stale is, is a, a, a time requirement on my part. And I found updating all this, A, it provides more transparency. It provides more information because my little quip, my little comment, whether it's positive, negative, or otherwise, it, it really doesn't provide any action planning. All the things I just looked at, if you're looking for extreme upside, you can find that quickly in a column. If you're looking to maybe avoid risk or maybe take on risk, you can find that quickly in a column. Allegiance to the NFL team, you can find that quickly in a column. What's their dynasty role and function? Boom, there's a column for that. Is UTH higher or lower than, than the market on, on them? Quickly find a column on that. And now who's moving up, who's moving down in Chad's rankings? Boom, you find a column on that. So the real estate of rankings is very, very, very important. All right, so let's go on to the second quarterback I wanted to discuss. And that is Geno Smith as another example. Now, this one's almost a non-example, but I want to go through it because Geno Smith is fascinating. Just, just saying that. I mean, Jordan McNamara and I have, t have talked at least a couple times during the season on Geno Smith on the Football Guys Dynasty show. And looking at comps, first of all, I mean, throw the comps out the window. This is my, and why I wanted to include it on this show and not put it on uh, his own separate standalone show on UTH Premium is because he's just an exa a, a total unicorn player of, of analyzing his career. So here's what I did my best to filter is that there, I found 10 comps to have a QB 18 or lower peak through eight seasons and to even still be in the NFL for year nine plus. 
So already, that, that first of all, sounds like it should be a pretty big list. First of all, it's not a pretty big list. To say that a guy can stick around in the NFL for at least eight to nine seasons with not ever having a, a top inside of the 18, top 18 season, fantasy-wise, is a really tough achievement. I mean, Derek Carr is well above that, for example. But think of it this way. I mean, if you peak out to that extent, do you really reside all the way down to, you know, you had a QB 20 season, but then you go back to backup land, basically, or you start a little bit every once in a while, but you're sticking in the league. You're doing yeoman's work. You are a very valued backup that keeps getting opportunities, keeps getting jobs. That's got to be the storyline, the storyboard of of how you get to that point. And for Geno Smith, QB 20 in year one, QB 26 in year two, and then 50, 50, 46, 50, 50, 44. I say 50 because that's the default uh, uh, default of saying you basically are, you either did not accrue uh, points per game uh, in that season, or obviously you're QB 50. But if you're below that and you've been relevant before or relevant since, then you're going to be QB 50 for that year. All right, um, so here's the thing. Geno Smith turned in QB5 this year, QB5, and essentially having a zero track record going into year nine. I mean, this is one of the most QB, QB storyboards. This is one of the most unlikely stories we have seen, period. And, and people should be talking about it more. The only person I know that talks about it more is Jordan. So QB5 off a of zero season. No one, no one since the 1990s has ever done this to even have, to even bounce back at this point in their career to a top 12 or even top 18 level. Geno Smith did it to QB five. The only one that out of that 10. So first of all, these comps hardly mean a thing. There's 10 of them, you know, based on what I just said, there's 10 of them, but no one really turned it around to actually do something. So Gino is already working from a rare perspective. Then the only one I can possibly squint and say this is possibly remotely similar is Josh McCowan. He's the only one years later than this point in time to even post a top 24 season. It's pretty unbelievable to have a top five season, even a top 12 season this deep this absolutely deep into your career. Geno Smith is now part of the club of 40 players dating back about 25 years to have a top six season under his belt at all, at all. I mean, it's unbelievable. If I were to filter, I'm doing this on the fly. If I were to, uh, to filter in year nine, which Geno Smith just completed, to have a top 12 season, the only one, uh, the only, everybody else has produced multiple top six seasons. And it's unbelievable. Like every single one of them ahead of, in year 10 and beyond. So I got nine guys as comps. Every single one of them produced another top 12 season. So obviously they have different track records and different journeys to get here. But if we're looking literally at year nine and projecting that to year 10 plus, now again, no one's calling Geno Smith, Peyton Manning or Drew Brees, even Russell Wilson, uh, 
Philip Rivers, Matthew Stafford. These are the type of mid-career guys. And the only if you're if you're predicting Geno Smith to turn into a nothing after this point, the only guy on this list that you will say, well, I guess that's him, is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Geno Smith, at this point in his career, is likely to get more of a contract than Ryan Fitzpatrick ever got. So I think it's going to be interesting to watch that. I also think Geno Smith being in the perfect storm with Seattle, having DK Metcalf, having a drove of wide receivers, uh, excuse me, a drove of tight ends, having Tyler Lockett, who is perennially underrated within the scope of where he stands in the NFL. So that certainly aided Geno Smith's journey. But you can't take anything away from him. He has been absolutely fantastic when you look at the underlying. This isn't just accruing fantasy stats. He's been legit NFL quarterback good slash great this year. There's nothing you can take away from that. And from that perspective, Geno Smith is underrated from from a fantasy perspective. UTH is higher than the market on Geno Smith. I have him at QB 20, which I feel is about as high as I can go considering he's a unicorn profile. But I think a lot of people would have him a handful of spots lower. But like the Derek Carr conversation, let's flip this differently. Geno Smith, we just saw a ceiling. A bigger ceiling than Derek Carr, who's had basically eight full years, nine full years to start in the NFL and has never shown what Geno Smith just showed without all the reps. Geno at 32 years old for, for next year did not show, you know, did not have all those reps and yet he did that. He has mobility. He has rushing upside. So everything came together and this Geno Smith is really going to be a test case of how much do you look at the broad profile versus the what we just saw profile, which to me is makes him one of the most interesting dynasty profiles out there this offseason for team building, for people trading him away for future seconds, for trading for him for future seconds. So putting all that puzzle pieces together, again, Geno Smith has the, it's almost analysis that is not analysis because you either, to me, you kind of have to look at it from what he just did because there are no ways to really analyze it from a, well, let's look at eight straight seasons and what do we think of that? There really is nothing. It's all a giant question mark. Other players, other quarterbacks on my list. So look for these on UTH Premium. Once again, if you like what you're hearing here, consider this a preview, just a little taste, a little nugget of what you will hear, see, read, digest for rankings, trade calculator, and content that basically explains, goes under the hood of what goes into those rankings, what goes into the trade calculator in the off season. You can go to uthdynasty.com, become a general manager plus subscriber. There's a money back guarantee. If you don't if you don't like it, you'll be one of the, I, I think there's maybe been 10 refund requests over all the years. UTH beginning, uh, what was it, 2014 on the site? Sounds about right. And so over that time, it's been eight plus years. So that's about one per year. Unsatisfied, signed up. It wasn't what they were expecting. And most of the time, I would say, I, I would say at least half of those, it was mainly a, they signed up for, the lower level package, which is just written content and the rankings. And they thought they, they were getting the podcast as well. And they asked for a refund. 
And so it, I don't know if that's considered a displeased customer or just one that really wasn't, you know, w- w- didn't didn't know what they were signing up for at the time of signing up would be the main thing. Okay, so let's get to some of the other players on my list. You will get full analysis and uh, a corresponding feature podcast or article about them. Mac Jones. How about Zach Wilson coming out of year two as well? He's a pretty interesting story that's already uh, accruing here with uh, his start and being a high first round draft pick. Others, we've got Justin Herbert. He is a big one. Uh, I already mentioned Kyler Murray and Jared Goff. So if you want to hear about those players, make sure you sign up at UTH. Uh, if your membership, if you already are subscribing, uh, and again, you'll get a expiration email and uh, you can also just uh, subscribe uh, again for 2023. Would love to have you. That's going to do it this week for Under the Helmet. I am Chad Parsons, and you can follow me on Twitter. You got questions, you want to see some snarky comments in general about the NFL or about Dynasty coming up about the NFL draft. Again, just a just a sandbox, a playground for me. Uh, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Chad Parsons NFL. I mentioned it in passing in the middle of the show, but Tim Torch is a fixture on the weekly patreon show uh, for uth so if you want to support uth uh, keep this ad free you hear a little bit of promotion in terms of other content or other platforms you can find me uh, people like katie flower jordan mcnamara and tim torch tim torch is on the weekly show over there at patreon.com uth and that's also the sandbox the playground where when i get little projects that i'm doing uh, little information there's things like a vip chat room that I'm in every single day, some of the best dynasty owners on the planet who we all interact. We're all trying to uh, have positive EV uh, across our teams, our results, team building. And we are just constantly helping each other with drafts, with trades and, and player analysis and team building, especially in the eight months of the off season as we prepare for the next season to dominate those results yet again. So that's a great perk over there at Patreon. And also, again, little snippets of uh, here's what I'm thinking. You get behind the curtain information about UTH, what's going on on the, the business side, what's going on in terms of that's where I provide the, um, the transparency of my results for my leagues. If you want to hear about that, I'll probably be going over that in the next week once we get clarity of week 17 and, and, and titles and, and finality for the 2022 season. So again, patreon.com slash UTH. All right. So I am Chad Parsons. Thank you so much for listening. It's a new year and that means it's a new, um, a, a new set of goals, a new focus that we are headed towards week one. And the last thing I'll leave you with is be thinking at all times, whether it's a startup draft, whether it is especially in your existing leagues uh, with handling your rookie picks, your trading uh, waivers that open and close throughout the next eight to nine months, be thinking about contending in week one and for 2023. It is so easy to say, well, my team's bad and there's no way I'll contend. And there's numerous stories that I personally can share of having teams, whether it's out of a startup draft or an orphan takeover or a team that starts out two and five, that all of a sudden you are contending, all of a sudden you are vibrantly in the playoff and making noise and even winning titles. So don't give up and keep contending until your contention is officially eliminated. NFL teams do the same thing, but 
Until you are out, you are firmly in. And I think in January, February, it can be easy to get sucked into off-season, quote-unquote, off-season mode and be thinking uh, about pretty roster syndrome, uh, which is <laughs> P, uh, PRS, pretty roster syndrome, and, and not be thinking about contending and building upon the team that you had in 2022 to be even better in 2023. I'm Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.